0: a Metro Midwifery podcast. I'm Gina Gerboth.
1: And I'm Nedra Hale and we are home birth midwives serving the Denver metro area. Uh, Today we're going to talk about newborn screening. Um, One because September is National Newborn Screening Month but also because we uh, Gina and I really feel strongly about the value of newborn screening. So we're
0: actually really excited to talk to you about this. This is when we know that we're really big nerds. Yes, it sounds
1: very, as I was talking, I was like, oh, we sound like really exciting people. But we are really excited. And we were even like, oh,
0: this one will be so fun to do.
1: Yes. (laughs) Good. Okay, so there are three parts to the newborn screen. Um, One is the blood spot test, which is probably what most people are most familiar with and then there's uh, the CCHD screen that um, Gina's gonna talk about in the hearing screen. So why don't we go on um, with you, Gina, and
0: we'll talk about the CCHD. Sure, so CCHD stands for critical congenital heart defects. And um, what's interesting is that actually congenital heart defects are not that uncommon. They happen about one in 110 cases. Hmm. Which I was surprised by yeah, that Yeah, I'm
1: surprised that it's so
0: common. Um, but about 25% of those would be critical, meaning that they really need to be caught and treated early. Mm-hmm. So the CCHD screening is meant to catch those critical defects, but it won't necessarily um, catch every heart defect that's out there. Okay. So it's... Um, It's a, again, these are all screening tests, not diagnostic tests. So these are just kind of uh, taking that first look and figuring out who's at more risk to having a disorder. Okay. So the critical congenital heart defect screening, I'm now going to call it CCHD, such a mouthful, (laughs) (laughs) is um, a very easy non-invasive test. And all it involves is using a pulse oximeter in two places on the baby's body to check their oxygen saturation. And what we're looking for is oxygen saturation that's over 95% on one of the areas and um, not more than three points different on the other area. Okay. So there's different algorithms and that's the American Academy of Pediatrics algorithm. Okay. Um, so we always test the right hand and we can test either one of the feet. And what that's doing is checking the circulation of the blood. How is the heart pumping the blood through the body? It doesn't matter which foot. It doesn't matter which foot. What if the baby doesn't have a right hand?
1: <laughs> I'm asking that because I have had that. A baby without a right hand? Yes, you know, an um, amniotic band. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Gosh. I assume you can do it on the left hand, right?
0: Well, I don't think it would be preductile on the left hand. <laughs> so. Oh dear, <laughs> that would be a question to ask your pediatrician. Okay, all right, that sounds good. <laughs> you would have to throw a hard one out right at the beginning. Um, I I imagine you could do it on the wrist or the arm. You know what, as far down as you could get would probably be yeah. doable. But I don't know that for sure, so I'm kind. It would probably not work with the pulse oximeters that we carry. Mm-hmm. It would probably We'd be doable with to, special equipment.
1: Um, you know, assuming that um, we know that this condition is there, which we did in this case, um, we would have to do some pre-planning on how to handle that.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be that would be an interesting research process. And so we should say that this is kind of new. So probably there wasn't CCHD screening at the time that you had that birth. Oh, yeah. It oh, wasn't yeah. part it was of the so standard. It was so long ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. No. I think it was relatively recently added to the newborn screening panel um, and li- even later adopted by community midwives and community birthing mm-hmm. locations. So um, this is really something that's just kind of, I, I don't want to say new on the scene, but newer on the scene. Yeah. So, um, so the process is really simple. There is some expense involved for the midwives, of course, to carry the equipment. Um, some states offer... Um, rebates or sometimes even the state health departments might pay for the equipment. So if you're a midwife in another state, that's worth looking into. In Colorado, we're kind of on our own with acquiring the equipment. Um, Something important to know about critical congenital heart defect screening is that as you go up in elevation, the accuracy of the test, the sensitivity and specificity of the test go down. So it becomes less useful of a screening tool at high elevation, which we absolutely encounter here. Yes. Even in the suburbs of Denver, we can easily be above seven thousand feet, which is sort of the cutoff. So, um, so we don't screen those babies, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. We might still test their oxygen and make sure that they're holding their oxygen well, but but it's just not the formal. It's not part test. of the screen. Mm-hmm. And there's
1: you know what we used to do all the visual indicators of Mm -hmm. heart defects and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we're listening and Mm -hmm. all of that
0: so at elevation um so what happens is they tend to quote unquote fail the screen and then they have to go the next step then is to go in for an echocardiogram which is a pretty expensive test and so um they were just finding that the cost benefit of screening babies that that weren't going to pass with and, and the effort of taking them to children's hospital and
1: so that was one of my questions, is what happens if mm-hmm. a baby does not yeah. pass
0: this test? So if they don't pass, they get referred out to... I would just send them right to Children's Hospital and have them screen them right away mm-hmm. and start the process there. I mean, I would send them to the emergency room. Um, or if, if you had a pediatrician, you could call and ask them what to do. They would probably send you to the ER. Now, not every... Um, not every hospital has the ability to do this testing, and you might end up getting referred up quite a large chain of mm-hmm. hospitals and that kind of thing. But we are fortunate to have two regional NICUs in Colorado, so or in Denver. So we have the facilities available to us, so I feel right. lucky about that. Yes, definitely. So interestingly, I've only had one baby um, with a critical congenital heart defect, and more interestingly, she passed the test.
1: Oh. So. <laughs> well, that's complicated. It
0: is complicated. But um, it, she had what's called coarctation of the aorta, which is considered a critical congenital heart defect. And um, it's one of the ones that's more likely missed on the, on the screen. Mm, okay. So she um, did need to have it repaired. It wasn't an emergency but it was certainly um, something that needed to be addressed. Okay. Um, so then, like you said, the one that most people um, equate with newborn screening is actually the blood spot test. A lot of times people call it the PKU. (laughs) Oh yeah, I forgot about that. It's still, still, people call it the PKU. Oh. And PKU is just one of the tests. Yes, it's on there. It's on the panel, but yeah, that's just a tiny bit. But you you might hear it be called the PKU, the uh, metabolic screen or genetic screen. More appropriately, it's a genetic screen because not all of the conditions are metabolic. Hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah, I call it a metabolic screen. <laughs> <laughs> well, like cystic fibrosis, you know, there's just right. a few on there that That's are. That's a good
0: point. So, blood spot, but I think blood spot's the worst name, but it's the most.
1: I actually didn't know we called it a blood spot test until we started putting this podcast together. So, I mean, clearly it is a blood spot test, but I just have never called it that or heard it, it called that. Sad. It, does. it sounds sad. <laughs> it It's not very nice. Um, so i uh, i don't really have a feel for how long we've been doing newborn screens um, with the blood spot test or how widespread it has been I but believe i know i has been, been since the 50s or 60s okay. i know i mean we've been doing it since um i started at least and i've always felt really strongly about it um so what this is looking for um are a number of different disorders so we've got amino acid disorders endocrine disorders, um, we've got acid disorders, organic acid disorders, uh, cystic fibrosis, fatty acid disorders, galactosemia, hemoglobinopathies, and what is this one? Oh, severe combined immunodeficiency. And what am I missing? That's that sounds pretty. That sounds pretty uh, thorough. So there's there's a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, In Colorado, we are currently testing for 44
0: different things. So how many is potentially able to be tested for?
1: I did a little bit of research on that, and the highest number I came up with. Let me look at my notes here was in Illinois at 64 I don't know if that is I didn't look at every single state the the maximum the very maximum but um I found many states actually that test for more things than Colorado does and a few that test for less um Interestingly, Arizona, where I came from, just tests for thirty-one, which I think when I started, it was more like twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. So, which actually in ten year oh, twelve years, not <laughs> not a big improvement, not a big addition <laughs> <laughs> of testing. Yes. Um. You know, the reason why these tests are so important is that uh, when we catch these things early, many, many, many times they can be treated. Um, you know, pretty successfully, depending on what the situation is. It might be with a change in diet or um, medications, uh, certain um, special foods, maybe. Uh, so it's, it's just so important. And I personally have had babies in my practice that came back with um, one of these disorders. So it's, I mean, the hemoglobinopathies are super Comment. I've seen a couple mm-hmm. of those. I've had one as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a congenital hypothyroidism come up, and, and this poor baby had no thyroid function at all, wow. you know. So, I mean, it was really important to know that so that important. was true.
0: And those aren't the critical conditions. Mm-hmm. You know, if right. you have, if your baby has something like lactosemia, mm-hmm. they can have brain damage or death in a matter of days. Right. They really need to be caught and treated as soon as possible. Yeah.
1: Yes. So,
0: so the timing um, on them, I oh, was going to yes. say, too, is really critical. Um, mm. This is kind of a misconception among some practitioners. Sometimes it's even nurses in the hospital. Sometimes it's midwives. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that you can wait a little longer and get a more accurate reading to test. Oh, yeah. Have you heard that? Before? I have heard that. When in actuality, um, if you waited, you know, a few days or a week to test, you would, you would lose some babies.
1: Yeah, if we had something like galactosemia, that Mm -hmm. would be, uh, we would have missed a really important time to intervene. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so in Colorado, we are supposed to test within the first 48 hours,
0: and
1: um second test would be uh, one to two weeks
0: mm-hmm. between yeah eight days and 14 days yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm.
1: i um have historically tried to hit about 10 days mm-hmm. you know like split the difference <laughs> 10 days
0: is a good time to see the yeah family again Right, anyway, so it so. coincides with mm-hmm. the
1: with a natural postpartum visit um you know sometimes i've had families that wanted to just do one or the other but i've always Push that it's just really important to do both. You, mm-hmm. you um, might miss something on the first one that will come up on the second one. There might be false negatives
0: on one or the other. I mean, we just need both. Mm-hmm. And what I learned recently, I was—I uh, don't know if um, anybody read the blog post, but I was involved in a project called um, the New Steps Program, and it was a educational, a couple educational videos for midwives and newborn screening. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I learned in that was also that, you know, one of the reasons that midwives are sometimes not as enthusiastic about the newborn screen is because there can be false positives. And I've had a false positive. Mm-hmm. I have to. Where you get a positive and you send them in for more testing and yes. it turns out to be normal. And then that's really discouraging sometimes. Mm-hmm. But one thing about testing outside of that 24 to 48 hour period is that you're going to get more false positives because the reference ranges change over time. Mm. So you know when we talk about when people are pregnant and we look at lab values and they'll say, but my white blood cells are high. And we'll say, well, no, no, that, that reference range isn't normal, isn't in the norm for right. pregnant people. That's right. same is true for newborns and the reference ranges are specific to 24 to 48 hours. Right. So it's really important to test in that, that period of time for the first one. The right. second one has more leeway, like you said. Right. But not all states do the second test. Oh, I didn't come across one that doesn't do the second yeah, test. Can not, you think of one? I, can, I am not sure off the top of my head. But there are some states that only do one test, which means that they're more likely to miss the more common conditions like congenital hypothyroidism because mm. that's more likely to not be captured on the first Interesting.
1: screen. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how we do this test mm-hmm. and then a couple of the... Um, questions and concerns that people have vocalized to me anyway, and I want to hear yours too. Um, So the way that we do this test, as you might have put together from what we've already talked about, is that we have to collect blood spots. (laughs) And we do this by doing a heel poke with a lancet. And uh, so we've worked really hard. Um, We as midwives, I think, across the world, have worked really hard to make this as uh, nice and painless as possible, you know, but there's no way to get around poking the baby's foot. So um, my routine, I think yours as well is... That that, I learned from you. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I do what you do. (laughs) So um, I like to put the baby over mom's shoulder, maybe dad's shoulder. um, And uh, I've tried it with breastfeeding. That works too, but the gravity piece isn't quite as good so um, over the shoulders probably my preferred method and, uh, and then we get a nice um, pull of gravity to help the the blood to flow quickly which is really important we have to fill several blood spots and uh, and then the parent can be talking to the baby and soothing the baby and we try to do it as quickly as possible so that we can get right to the comforting parts yeah um and then we um, have to, like we talked about, repeat that, uh, so it's twice that we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the questions and concerns that I've heard, I mean, there have been definitely questions about the timing and they've heard different things. and um, so it seems like there's a little bit of inconsistent information out there. so, and do we have to do two and all of that. I've also heard, Uh, People being concerned about how the um, blood is stored. Mm -hmm. I've um, heard that too. And you know that there's blood out there with the babies identifying information on it and all of that. And so I did a little bit of research into that. And the way that that's handled also varies from state to state. But in Colorado, what I found out is that they keep those for six months. And um, at that point, the baby's identifying information is separated from the blood and the blood spots are destroyed. And then they keep the baby's information for five years, and that's mostly just like the test results part. Mm -hmm. So separated from the blood, the results are kept for five years. Um, Interestingly, I found out that parents, if they are concerned about the state having the um, newborn screening card on file they can actually go get it yeah and uh, if it's within the six months before they are destroyed they can um, contact cdphe and go and get it and they can privately store it or they can destroy it
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's so, great mm-hmm Um, Yeah, I came across that. I did another project (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) with the public health degree. I've done a lot around newborn screening, actually. Mm -hmm. But um, another project I did was to interview midwives and find out what their rates of participation were and what the barriers were. And that was a concern of many families and even some midwives about the storage. So Mm. Um, but there's a a lot of misinformation out there for sure. Mm -hmm. That's great that they can go get it. Oh, I wanted to mention that I know that I've presented information this way and I know that I've heard it presented this way to say, you know, there's a a number of disorders that we're checking for and they're all really rare. And that's true. Some of these disorders are really rare. Mm -hmm. But when you add them all up and you add up all the risk... A baby has a one in 300 chance of coming up positive oh. with a di- or being actually diagnosed with that a disorder. That is more
1: common than I had
0: thought. One in 300. Yeah. That is not, and it, so it's not surprising that you've seen it several yeah. times in your practice. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So these are not like theoretical con- mm-hmm. uh, conditions. These are things that can really happen yes. and really impact your baby's life and potential. Anything else on the blood spot? I don't think so. Yeah. So the third test in the newborn screening panel or the newborn screening program is the hearing screen and, um, hearing congenital hearing loss is considered one of the more common congenital abnormalities or anomalies. Um, and it occurs at about a rate of, uh, two to four per thousand. So, um, even though the other conditions are more common, they're not necessarily like anomalies, whereas there could be a hearing anomaly. Um, Again, the timing is important of the hearing screen, although you have a lot more flexibility for this one. Um, What we do know is that if you don't identify a hearing screen, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a hearing loss in the first six months, um, the child is more likely to have some cognitive and speech and learning deficits. So catching it in the first six months is kind of that critical period. Okay. but what's interesting is that if people aren't screened uh, as infants or in the first six months, the average age of identification is four years of age.
1: So that kind of argues against that old thing that we used to say about clapping your hands and saying if
0: they Yep, because babies are awesome compensators. And, yes. um, and my son, actually, one of my children has a... congenital hearing loss in one frequency so it's not anything that's impacted him but he has a hearing loss in one frequency and he was not screened as a newborn
1: so when did you find
0: this out uh in middle school oh (laughs) (laughs) because he um we homeschooled for a long time we missed a lot of those school um the school screenings that they do and Mm -hmm. so uh we didn't discover it until he was in middle school um, it d- did not impact his cognitive development, but um, but it makes you it does give you pause and makes you think about, wow, you really could miss an important right. thing. So um, the process is really simple. We actually have um, the equipment to do so here at the office. We um, Try to do it early in the visit, because usually the baby comes in asleep. They're either in the car seat and asleep or still in the parent's arms and asleep. Mm -hmm. So as long as they're pretty quiet and and or nursing, uh, you can do the screening. If they're upset, you can't do it. It's just too hard to get them to hold still long enough to get it in their ear. Um, It's very non-invasive. It's kind of like you can kind of envision a tip of a ear thermometer kind of thing going into their ear. And it's pretty quick. It takes as long as you're not fiddling around with it too much because it's not a good fit. It only takes less than a minute per ear. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty quick. And it's called the equipment's called an OAE, which is auto acoustic emissions. Uh, That's what OAE stands for it must be called an O A (laughs) E something, but it anyway, so we have um, the equipment to do that here and we do offer it for all of our clients as part of their midwifery care, but Mm -hmm. we also offer it for other, um, for other families, other home birth families or birth center families or anybody really for a nominal fee. Mm -hmm. So we do that on Thursdays, if anybody needed to make an appointment for that. Yes. So, so yeah, the hearing screening is um, not as time-sensitive, but it is still important to... And of course, we have babies in care till six weeks, so we want to have it wrapped up by then. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you have to repeat the screen, so doing it at that 10-day visit is a good idea, and then that way that gives you the next visit to repeat it Okay. to make sure that yes. it gets caught. Because sometimes they're just wiggly, or maybe they have a little fluid in their ear.
1: Yeah, you know, I remember trying to do the screening with one of my children. So actually none of them got it done successfully, (laughs) but um, I think it was my third one. I tried to get it done at the pediatrician's office and it seemed so much more involved than it is now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just didn't work. She was too wiggly Mm -hmm. and just like, it did not work. And then I never came back to it. Um, But now it just seems like a lot easier so Mm -hmm.
0: and it's not perfect occasionally Mm -hmm. um occasionally we can't get a good reading i've had to refer Mm -hmm. a couple babies out one who i just couldn't get a reading and one who didn't pass um so sometimes we do have to send you up the ladder a little bit for some Mm -hmm. more which is the same with any of these screening tests again they're screening tests
1: and correct me if i'm wrong about this uh, because times change you know but uh I believe that we cannot uh, refer people to the pediatrician for a hearing Correct. screen here. Yeah,
0: they do not carry the, or they don't have yeah. the equipment on hand to so do it. So they have to
1: go to So
0: Children's some Hospital. of the best resources, Children's Hospital mm-hmm. has a good audiology department. Kaiser actually has a really good okay. audiology department. You would need to go to an audiologist, though okay um but i tend to send people to Kais i mean i'm sorry to children's hospital okay um and here in denver we have a number of satellite locations and so some of the audiology departments also were at the satellite locations oh, great. yeah which is great that is really good so yeah yeah the hearing screen that's a new new thing for us to be able to offer and i'm mm-hmm. really excited that we yes, can do all of the pieces now because that was we definitely were falling through the cracks I think, I think so, too. So, oh, that's one thing I was going to mention is that um, on all of these newborn screens, um, you know, again, in public health terms, we talk about populations at risk Mm -hmm. and out of hospital slash community birthing, the community birthing population is at risk for not being screened for all of the screens. Yeah. So we're considered a population at risk (laughs) because we're like
1: rebellious or well, I think,
0: (laughs) uh, you know, I think so much is just those barriers. It was, you just exactly described a barrier. It was a a kind of a pain
1: pain to have to make another trip to go. And yeah. So if your midwife has the equipment that that would definitely make it. Yeah. So I think that
0: that's Mm -hmm. one barrier. I think another barrier is how is this information being presented to you? Mm -hmm. Are you being given information by your midwife? about how important it is or not, it is really important. It's really, really important. Yes. Um, I was on a Facebook group <laughs> and a person mentioned, um, she said something like, I realized my baby didn't get the hearing screen or the the PKU. I'm pretty sure she said PKU. but um, mm-hmm. And now I'm second guessing that and I'm wondering if I can still get it. My midwife said I don't need it. And I thought, hmm, that wasn't a really... Constructive, informed choice discussion right. that happened. Yeah, so
1: I wonder what that conversation
0: was. Yeah, like. I don't know, but but it's you know it's absolutely your choice as a client to decide what you want to do or mm-hmm. not. But I do think it's important that you get that good information from your provider.
1: Yeah, I mean, all of the states I looked at, um, and of course Colorado in particular, uh, there are options for opting out on mm-hmm. all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know why. Mm -hmm. we would want to do that. It's, um, I mean, again, it's, it's ultimately the choice of the parents, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, they're so important. So,
0: yeah. So we really encourage it and support it. And, Mm -hmm. um, oh, I was going to mention, we actually don't charge for any of the hearing screening as part of your midwifery fee. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, or any of the, any, of, Any our, of the newborn screen. Oh, what did I say? Hearing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Any of
0: the newborn screen. So we include yes. it as part of your midwifery yes. fee. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So we don't want finances to be a barrier because that, of course, is another barrier. Yeah. The
1: newborn screening, mm-hmm. the blood spot test can be kind mm-hmm. of pricey. They just
0: raised the rate in Colorado to one hundred and ten dollars. Okay. So, yeah, y- so know. we include
1: that in our fee um, mm-hmm. just so that again, so that's not a barrier. Yep.
0: We just want to make it easy for you because we want to keep you and your baby safe. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, that's all we've got today on newborn screening. You can check out. We'll have a blog post today and I will also link back to um, the videos that I did for the new steps program that I mean, I didn't do them by myself. The videos that I was involved in right. <laughs> for the new step program so that you can watch those too. There's uh, for the midwives listening, there's some good collection tips. Um, yep. you'll get to see the Nedro technique demonstrated because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. Um, Funnily enough, that was a very, very difficult collection that I did for the I video know, sometimes day. Sometimes they're not perfect, but, <laughs> no, but we I try one. really hard. And then some days you just it's just like plop, 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 yeah. five drops of perfect yes. perfect circles. But yes. not that day. So Of course, since you were being filmed. <laughs> it was yeah, maybe it was some nerves too. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. So that's um that's what we've got today, and we're looking forward to Um, our next week with you but in the meantime have a great week and um, definitely do your homework on newborn screening yes all right bye bye